Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week we run through some of the major world team announcements. Plus we talk about all the NCAA conference changes and most importantly, how that's going to impact non-revenue sports like gymnastics. So stick around. With the World Championships inching closer and closer, we thought now would be as good a time as ever to give a little update on the world team situation. A lot of countries have announced their world team, and I feel like as the days go by, we just get more and more. We haven't had a chance to talk about any of it yet, so we're going to give you guys, as far as like the bigger teams, the ones that would maybe potentially be in the conversation for medals at Worlds. Or qualifying on the Olympics. Exactly. We're going to give you guys those teams. And then if you want a more detailed list that has like some of the smaller countries as well as individuals, we're going to link in the show notes down below to thegymtour.net, which is run by Lauren Hopkins. And she is amazing at keeping that updated with all of the countries, all of the individuals. Um, and it's really an all-inclusive list. So we're going to put that in the show notes for you guys down below. But we're going to real quickly run through some of those top teams and who their world championship team is. So starting with Great Britain, we have Andine and Champon, Ruby Evans, Georgia May Fenton, Jessica Gadarova, and Alice Kinsella. Now, you might notice that there's only one Gadarova on this year's world's team. Which I'm so sad about. Yeah, so Jennifer Gadarova announced on her Instagram that she withdrew from world trials due to basically ongoing medical issues. She didn't really get into a lot of details, so we don't really know what's going on, but just some ongoing medical issues that are pulling her out of this world championships, and she's still focusing on Paris 2024, it sounds like. Like, that's still the goal for her, but just not where she needs to be at this point in time, so... We've said this before with other athletes, but probably a smart decision with the Olympics only a year away. I'd much rather be at the Olympics than at a world championships, especially if I'm not at 100% right now. So wishing her a speedy recovery, of course. And then there's Becky Downey, another name that I'm sure a lot of people were hoping to see on the world's team this year that unfortunately, at least at the moment, is an alternate. We don't know between Becky Downey and Poppy Grace Stickler. They're both named alternates. And who is actually going to be the traveling alternate is TBD. But Becky was suffering from migraines, it sounds like, for like a year or so now and was dealing with that during world trials. So didn't have her best mm -mm. competition there. But obviously keeping her in our thoughts as well and hoping that she can get her migraines under control so she can be a-okay by the time Paris rolls around. She's one of the best bar workers in the world. So really, really sad to see that she won't be at the World Championships for the second year in a row now, even though she should have been last year, in my opinion, but we won't go there. (laughs) Wishing her all of the best and we hope to see her back out on the world stage soon. Moving on to Team Canada, our reigning world bronze medalists. We have, oh, I actually want to start by saying our team predictions, was it like an episode or two ago? We're not the most accurate. But, but I feel like it's not fully our fault. Because there was a lot there was, of injuries. There was. There was a lot of injuries that we, at that point in time, did not predict, obviously. So Well, I mean, I guess we did, to be fair. We did have like some suspicions of several athletes. Yeah, so not the most accurate, but... We got two, no, we got three right. We had Ellie Black, which, duh. Aurelie Tran, I think also kind of duh at this point. Ava Stewart. And then Rose Wu was somebody that we like completely forgot to mention. I don't so, know what we were thinking. But well, like, I, I obviously know about her. I don't know why we didn't. So last year, if I'm remembering correctly, her along with Shallon Olsen was on the world's team. And then I don't know if she got sick. 
I can't remember exactly what happened, but she was one of the athletes that was originally on the world's team last year and then didn't end up competing. Yeah. But she's amazing on bars, so they yes. will definitely use her on that event. And then also Cassie Lee. And then the alternate is Federique Zgarbosa. So now as far as injuries go, Danelle Pendrick is someone that we had mentioned as somebody that was in contention for the world's team. Unfortunately, she tore her ACL, which as you all know, is a pretty serious knee injury that takes a lot of time to come back from. Yeah, so we're actually, we've said, I feel like a million times that we're a year away to the Olympics. We're less than a year away to the Olympics. Right. And so now this is the point in time where any major injuries that we see, you start to question if those people are even going to be back in time for the Olympics. It's not impossible, but it's starting to get to the point where it's highly unlikely, which is Stop. sad. Stop. <laughs> nope. I mean, I'm just being realistic. I think that if Danelle Pendrick doesn't go to the Olympics, this is the end of the podcast. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and she was looking so good, too. That's the thing yeah. that's so unfortunate about it. So it's just really, really bad timing. Wishing her a speedy recovery. You're going to hear us say that a lot in this episode, because unfortunately, there has been a lot of injuries recently. So, oof. <laughs> Prep yourself for that. Emma Spence is another one coming back from an overuse injury. She took two and a half months off, which we were wondering that when we were talking about our Canadian world team predictions, we were like, we haven't seen her since the incident of late season. Like we really don't know what her status is or what's going on. Yeah. She only did bars at trials and it looked good. Her bars looked great. Yeah. But not, I think not quite enough to be on this team. And then there was people missing. So Sydney Turner didn't compete at trials. Not really sure what the status of her is at this point in time. Shallon Olsen, and she got silver on fall at trials um otherwise wasn't her greatest competition but i think given the athletes that were healthy and most prepared for world trials i think that the team that was selected does make the most sense oh totally i definitely thought that shallon was going to be on the team just for her vault alone mm -hmm. like i said she got silver on vault at world trials and she's a world medalist on vault absolutely so she was somebody that i was kind of I don't think she was a lock for the team, but I was expecting her to probably find her very, way in there. Very strong consideration, especially, I mean, we talked about this when we talked about our predictions, her consistency from doing college gymnastics, and she competed that Yurchenko double on ball every single weekend, right. and it was really, really good. And then floor was consistent as well, so, and, and beam, you know, on and off, but she was good on beam too, so... And then bars, she doesn't do. She hasn't done bars since, like, 2021, I believe. So, really, I think, you know, vault and floor would probably be the events that she would be used on. But at trials, didn't have the best showing and, unfortunately, did not make the team. So, that's how it goes sometimes. Okay, so, moving on to France, we have Marine Boyer, Lorette Sharpie, the queen, Melanie de Jesus dos Santos. Who looked amazing at Classics. Can't yes. wait to see her at Worlds. Colleen Deviard, Jenna Lurie, and then Morgan Osek. Not 100% sure if I'm pronouncing that last name properly. We did our best with these guys. We, you know, <laughs> looked up YouTube videos trying to find like how announcers pronounced it, you know, Googling name pronunciations, things like that, and couldn't really find a clear answer as to how to pronounce her last name. But I, my best guess would be Osek. Or Oisek. Yeah. Something of that sort. So we apologize if that is wrong. So there's six on that team. So obviously an alternate is going to have to be decided. A lot of these teams are naming six people. And then once it gets closer to Worlds, they're going to announce who's the traveling alternate and who's actually on the team. So I would imagine it's probably going to come down to Morgan and Jenna. But we will see. 
Moving on to China, we have Ou Yushan, Zhang Qinyin, Chu Qiyuan, Zhao Yachen, Huan Zhaofan, and Wu Zhan. No Wei Xiaoyan, which I know a lot of people are incredibly sad about. We're going to miss her bars in particular at Worlds. But from what I've read online, just not in the best shape. And I guess they felt not in the top group of Chinese gymnasts at the moment. So keeping my fingers crossed, though, that she'll still be in the mix for Paris. So for Australia, we have Miela Brown, Georgia Godwin, Katie McDonald, Ruby Pass, Brianna Scott, and Emily Whitehead. And again, six athletes on that team. So as we get closer to the world championships, one of those athletes is going to be named as the traveling alternate and the other will obviously be on the team. And then for Japan, we have our queen, Miyata Shoko, Kishi Rina, Fukasawa Kokoro, Ashikawa Urara, and Hatakeda Chiaki, who actually took the place of Watanabe Hazuki. As you all may remember, Watanabe Hazuki injured her knee. Reigning Beam World Champion. Yes. Devastating. So she's out and she won't be expected to return until the spring of next year, 2024. So again, with the injuries and having it be so close to the Olympics, can we not? Right. So she's another athlete that we're going to want to keep our eyes on because like Ashley mentioned, balance beam world champion, absolutely beautiful on that event, an asset to the Japanese team, definitely somebody that they're going to want on their Olympic team. They also have some other athletes that are out. Yamada Chicharu, who was on the world's team last year, she tore her ACL at the Japanese championships in April. They also had Yamaguchi Sara, who was the silver medalist at Junior Worlds earlier this year. Was that this year? 2023, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> she tore her ACL at the Japanese championships in April as well. So they had two ACL injuries at that one meet. So she is not eligible for the world championships, obviously, because she's a junior, but she's somebody who definitely in the mix for Paris. Yeah, she's eligible for Paris and is a phenomenal athlete. So yeah, the Japanese team is a really talented team. They're someone that obviously, like we saw last year, in the mix for getting a medal, contending for a medal at the very least. I expect that from them this year as well, but now with some of these injuries to some of their key athletes, like Watanabe, Hazuki, and Yamada Chiraru, Definitely a big question mark. And I it's going to get interesting. And another injury as well that's absolutely devastating for Germany. They haven't announced their team yet as of the time of recording this, but Ellie Seitz, 2018 world bronze medalist on Anima Mars, tore her Achilles. And Germany is a team that still needs to qualify to the Olympics. So it's going to get very, very interesting for them as well. Because she is such a big part of that team. She's obviously the leader. So they're not going to have Kim Bowie anymore, obviously, because she retired. So a huge loss. I saw someone on Twitter say this, and it was kind of funny. Like, is it too late for Germany to get Oksana back on the team? <laughs> right. But I feel like they need somebody on bars. That's probably true. Not, prob- I, not probably. I don't know that Okasana can help with that, but... It'll be interesting to follow Germany at these world championships, see how they do without LA sites, but I think it's going to be very difficult for them. Yeah, not only a, a huge scorer for the team, but a leader as well. I mean, she's been around for so, so long mm-hmm. that she's kind of like the captain of the team. If elite world teams had captains like they do in college gymnastics, Ellie Seitz would definitely be the captain of the German team. <laughs> 
they have some other strong athletes like Emma Maluski. She's the European champion on balance beam from 2022. Also won a silver medal on beam this year at the German national championships. They also have Pauline Schaefer Betts. Also a beam queen who's like every medal in the book on beam at world championships. <laughs> but I think bars is going to be the event where Germany struggles because Elizabeth Seitz was definitely their top bar worker. So we shall see. Wishing them all the best and of course wishing Ellie Seitz all the best in her recovery. She will be missed at these world championships. Hey guys, so Ashley here in editing. Brittany is currently in class right now, so I'm doing this by myself. And I wanted to pop in just to give a quick update because we have another unfortunate injury update regarding the World Championships. This time it's with Belgium, who is hosting the World Championships because it's in Antwerp. And they're going to be competing now without two of their top athletes. Of course, Nina Derwal, who's the reigning Olympic champion in Ananiva Bars, as well as a two-time world champion. And then Lisa Valen, who won bronze on vault this year at the European Championships. For Nina, it's an injury. She dislocated her shoulder while training on bars. She was doing her dismount. And then for Lisa, it's an illness. And I'm probably not going to pronounce this correctly, but it's glandular fever, which is mono. Even if she's healthy by the time Worlds rolls around, she's probably not going to be prepared physically because with mono, you're totally fatigued and she should absolutely not be training while she's sick and it takes weeks to recover from. So that totally blows for Belgium, especially with it being in their home country and still having to qualify a team to the Olympics. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens and if Belgium can qualify a team without them. And then what that would do with someone like Nina, if they don't qualify, she would have to pursue the individual route going to World Cups next year. So it's going to get really, really interesting and definitely some more storylines that are unfolding at this World Championships with all these injury announcements. So sorry to break in here with bad news, but hopefully that's the end of it and we can make it to world championships with no more injuries. Everyone stays healthy. So like we said, we are going to have a link down below to the gymtrid.net with the full list of individual qualifiers and also world championships teams as they are announced. There's still a lot of teams that we're waiting on, the U.S. being one of them. They have their world trials September 18th through the 20th. Then from there, they stay at the training camp for a couple days before heading out to the World Championships. Yeah, competition at Worlds begins on September 30th and goes till October 8th. So basically that last week of September and the first week of October is Gymnastics Christmas. It's Worlds. And Ashley's going to be there. I will be. <laughs> the laugh. I sounded like um, Bert from Sesame Street. <laughs> and you also don't sound too thrilled about that. You're like, great. No, I, I actually am excited. It's obviously my first world, my first international competition. So I definitely am excited. I think also her first time traveling that. internationally outside of Canada. But I feel like Canada doesn't really count. Like we drive to Canada because we're from Michigan. So her first time flying out of the country. And she's doing it without me. She's doing it alone. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. shout out to you. I would not be able to do that. So it's not that I'm that excited about worlds. I'm just... At the moment, it's clouded by how I'm going to get there. But then once I'm there, I'll be fine. And I'm sure, like, on the way back, I'll be like, yeah, like, this is lit. Like, I just went to my first Worlds. But no, you'll, like, you'll feel good about it. But, like, right now, you're a little stressy, Wesley. Yeah, when people talk about Worlds, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, literally, you literally laugh, like, <laughs> on the podcast. I am. I actually am excited. Like, deep, deep down inside me, I am excited for Worlds and to be in that environment. But we'll talk about it later. <laughs> 
Okay, so the meat and potatoes of this podcast is going to be what we're calling the conference shuffle. And a lot has been happening. (laughs) A lot has happened. And we have not had the chance to talk about any of it yet, so very, very excited about this. So basically, the Pac-12 is gone, or it's about to be gone, which we'll dive deeper into in a second, but... Pretty much all of the Pac-12 schools have moved to different conferences, and there's been a couple other changes in there as well, which we will detail here in a second. But for those of you that like aren't completely paying attention to all the details of it, the main reason for why this is happening is basically just TV deals and revenue. Those schools got to get their coin. And the Pac-12 is the only Power 5 conference. Power 5, obviously, is SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, ACC, and did I say SEC? Yeah, you didn't say Big Ten. Big Ten. Oh, how did I forget the Big Ten? Anyways, those are the Power Five conferences. So the Pac-12 is the only Power Five conference without a long-term TV deal, which is why a lot of the schools are like, peace out. So to kind of like give you some perspective of what's going on with the other conferences and how much money these schools can make, in December 2020, the SEC announced a 10-year, $3 billion agreement with Disney, which includes ESPN and ABC, that starts for the 2024 season. So $3 billion. <laughs> just to get like an idea of how much schools make with these TV deals and also how long they last. Like this is 10 years we're talking of the SEC having like backing by Disney, which ESPN and ABC, which is huge. In August 2022, the Big Ten agreed to a seven year, seven billion, well actually it's seven billion plus, so I'm not sure the exact number, but approximately seven billion dollars, seven year agreement with CBS, NBC, and Fox. And then the Big 12 in October 2022 negotiated a six year, $2.3 billion agreement with ESPN and Fox. And then in 2016, So a little bit ago now, the ACC extended its media rights agreement with ESPN through to 2035-2036. Which is a while. Yes. And that deal with ESPN includes launching, well, it included, it's already happened, it included launching the ACC network, which if you have a streaming platform like Slain, you get the ACC network. And And that's the main way that you watch a lot of those teams. Yeah. At least in gymnastics. Yeah. There's like, you know, NC State meets and stuff have been on ACC network, despite the fact fact that the ACC conference has never really been a thing until now in terms of gymnastics. Okay, sorry guys. Uh, we were having an issue with Brittany's mic and there was this horrible screeching noise, but we think that's resolved well, now. Well, that was dramatic. It wasn't a screeching. It was like a little buzz. Whatever. To it- say that it was screeching is extremely, <laughs> extremely dramatic. But okay. <laughs> it was not even close to a screech. It was literally a buzz. <laughs> we fixed it though. We believe we fixed it. So we apologize. <laughs> Anyways, where were we at? We were talking about the ACC. Oh, we were saying that, like, despite the fact that the ACC Gymnastics Conference has not been a thing, obviously the ACC for, like, football and other sports is a thing, but you have been able to watch gymnastics meets on the ACC, like, from Slane even, which is how we've done it. But anyways, my point is now is that they have that deal in place where the ACC, just like the SEC, has its own network and... Now with the ACC Gymnastics Conference happening and all these schools switching, we're going to get even more gymnastics coverage there, which is great. So then you have the Pac-12, which their TV agreement, the Pac-12 network agreement, was set to expire next year. And ESPN and Fox did not express interest in an extension with the Pac-12. Other TV networks that already had long-term conference agreements with other schools were also uninterested. 
And that got even worse when UCLA and USC, which doesn't really apply to, that doesn't really, literally doesn't at all apply to gymnastics. But you got to remember that a lot of this is we're talking about conferences, but it's like other sports. Like they're not thinking about gymnastics. They're not thinking about gymnastics at all. No, they're thinking about football when they make these moves. So we're obviously thinking about it from a gymnastics lens. But But when UCLA and USC left the Pac-12, that really, really, really hurt the potential, I think, for the Pac-12 to get a TV deal because those are two huge programs in the Pac-12 conference. So basically the Pac-12 kind of, as schools continued to leave, they continued to drag their feet. It just got harder and harder to find a network to essentially partner with. Yeah. And now they're in this predicament where they're at now where it's basically the Pac-2. Yeah. You have Washington state and there's Oregon state. And that's it. Yeah. Like literally that's it. So for gymnastics, that just leaves us with Oregon State. So most recently, California and Stanford announced that they were going to be joining the ACC conference for the 2025 gymnastics season. And that means the extinction of the Pac-12 conference, which has been around for 108 years, is right around the corner, which that, is sad. That is so crazy to me. I feel like a lot of schools have tradition and conferences have tradition, but I feel like the Pac-12, like, there's just so much tradition mm-hmm. with that conference. Yeah, and it's a, it's a big conference, not even just talking about gymnastics, talking about, like, all sports. There's so much history there, and the rivalries, like you said, UCLA-Utah being a huge one, and to think that we're not going to have that. And yeah, like, they can still face each other in the regular season, but... It's not the same. At the end of the season, when you have Pac-12 championships that's not going to be a thing anymore. Like you're going to have, which we'll detail who's in what conference in a second, but you're going to have UCLA in the big 10 and you're going to have Utah in the big 12. And the days of those two going head to head as conference opponents is going to be over after this season, which is really, really sad. I never thought this would happen, but maybe that's just my ignorance and not knowing how this stuff works. Like schools leave conferences that's happened before, but we've never seen a conference like completely disintegrate, at least not in my lifetime. Right. And not a power five conference. So it's kind of weird. I don't really know what's going to happen. And I, or what I want to happen at this point, because I think if I could pick, I would have everything just stay the same. I mean, don't get me wrong. Living in Michigan, I'm excited to have UCLA in Washington in the Big Ten. But it's not practical. And, no. we, and we know that. And we'll get into that. But I just kind of want things to stay the same. I'm not a fan of change. I'm not a fan of the end of the Pac-12. So Ripped the pack. <laughs> so I guess from here, you start looking at, is there any way of saving the Pac-12, which is now the Pac-2? Or like <laughs> for gymnastics, what is Oregon State going to do? Because as far as what we're talking about here on this podcast, Oregon State is really the only one we care about. Obviously, Washington State does not have a gymnastics program. So we're sorry, guys. You got to figure this out. We're concerned about Oregon State. <laughs> um, so I guess options. What are the options? So that is a giant spider. Oh my gosh. Look at the window. Oh my God. There's two of them. And there's one in here. <gasps> oh my God. They're attacking my window. That is disgusting. They're huge. That is like... I don't know if I've ever seen one that big. That's like borderline tarantula. <laughs> I mean, it's not. If people could see this, they would think... <laughs> no, they're huge, guys. They're huge. They're big, but they're not tarantula. But yeah, they're huge. They're not daddy long Ooh, legs. I don't like it. <laughs> okay, anyways, focus on gymnastics. So the Pac-12 could absorb the Mountain West Conference, which we don't have for gymnastics, but that would include teams from the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference. So Air Force, Boise State, San Jose State, Utah State. Yeah. And 
if that were to happen, that would mean that Southern Utah would be the only one that doesn't have a home because they are the only other team in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference, and they're not a part of the Mountain West. So we would have to figure out something for them if that were to happen. But if we wanted to keep, I say we as if like we have any say in this. Or like, <laughs> we are part of the process. We have literally nothing to do with this. But if like the Pac-12 wanted to continue to exist, you could have, in terms of gymnastics, I'm not speaking about the other schools, but you could have Oregon State, Air Force, Boise State, San Jose State, and Utah State, which would be enough to continue having the conference if they were interested in keeping that alive. And then again, we'd have to figure out Southern Utah and what they were going to do because BYU was also part of the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference, but they're moving to the Big 12. So Southern Utah could work out something like that as well. It's really, really tricky because right now it's like we basically have Oregon State that needs to figure out what they're doing and we have a potential solution, but then it leaves Southern Utah with no home. So there's going to be some more shifting that happens for sure. The Pac-12, which is just Oregon State for gymnastics, could get absorbed by the Mountain West. So you could either have the Pac-12 absorbing Mountain West, you could have Mountain West absorbing Pac-12. I think either of those options could work. Also, technically, the Pac-12 or the Pac-2 could <laughs> exist for two years without having anyone else in the conference. So NCAA laws say that a conference has to have eight members in order to actually be considered a conference, but they have a two-year grace period. So PAC-2, I'm calling it PAC-2, <laughs> I like could it. theoretically operate as a two-man conference through 2026 and make their own schedule and all of that. I'm not sure how that would look in terms of conference championships well it, i would think it just wouldn't happen because right. oregon state can't have a championship by themselves <laughs> so they would forfeit i would imagine forfeit the opportunity to have a conference championship but if the pac-12 wanted to remain and they were trying to absorb something like the mountain west conference they would technically have that two-year grace period to do that mm -hmm. meaning that oregon state could just stay put and not move like they don't have to panic and make a move right before the season starts is what you're saying right because of that two-year grace period which is interesting i did not know that they had that in place i didn't so, know that either yeah they would need eight members and that doesn't have to necessarily mean that they have to have eight schools that have gymnastics teams there just needs to be eight schools in general that would either move to the pac-12 if, if they wanted to do that to mm -hmm. preserve the conference so yeah, it's kind of confusing, but I think we should maybe give a rundown of where we're at in terms of each conference. And as far as gymnastics goes, what teams we have in what conference. So in their inaugural season as a gymnastics conference, we have the ACC, which consists of Pitt, Clemson, North Carolina, and NC State. Of course, Pitt, North Carolina, and NC State were formerly from the Eagle Conference, also joining the ACC for the 2025 college gymnastics season will be Cal and Stanford. So we'll have Pitt, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, Cal, and Stanford. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. I do feel like this is going to turn into a Big 12 situation where you're going to see Cal, for the most part, dominate the ACC conference. Um, they're the only one that is, I think, nationally at this point in time, a nationally competitive school. And we'll see what Clemson does. I guess, to be fair, we can't say that not knowing what Clemson's going to do in their first season. But 
Right. And of course things change. Like any of these teams could step up, you know, that would be the hope at least. Like they're always aiming for bigger things. Mm -hmm. I'm getting so distracted by that spider. It is disgusting. I cannot. (laughs) I really, I don't even know why that's happening. It's I'm like, we're, so our computer is set up in front of a window. And so me and Ashley are literally sitting here talking, watching spiders, looking at spiders crawl around the window. And it's really, really distracting me. Anyways, what was I saying? I, I think I was just saying that I can see a situation where Cal kind of dominates the conference, similar mm-hmm. to how Oklahoma does or did in the Big 12, kind of like Michigan has for years in the Big 10. Um, so the hope would be that you would see some of these other teams step up nationally i mean like they're of course competitive with each other in their conference and stuff but like these are not teams that you typically see contending for a spot at nationals typically but that could always change so with pitt north carolina and nc state leaving the eagle that leaves the eagle with temple george washington new hampshire and liu and then for the big 10 this is a big conference this is i think maybe the biggest in terms of like the gymnastics roster you have michigan michigan state iowa nebraska maryland Rutgers, illinois Penn State, Minnesota, and then in the 2025 season, you'll have UCLA and Washington. So the Big Ten makes sense for the most part, considering all of the schools that are in the Midwest and were previously in the Big Ten. UCLA and Washington are the only ones that are kind of not in that region. Geographically, they don't make the most sense. Yeah, so I think that'll be interesting to see how they manage the travel and you know ucla and washington are going to be coming out to the midwest every single or i should say maybe every other weekend or close to that not every week but yeah you're talking plane rides time zone changes that's that's a lot to deal with which we'll talk more about that in a minute here but the SEC is Florida, LSU, Kentucky, Arkansas, Georgia, Auburn, Missouri, Alabama, and then they're getting Oklahoma for the 2025 season. This is the only conference that completely makes sense, in my opinion, because Oklahoma is in the South. It's by all of these schools anyways. Like, yeah, Oklahoma is not that far from Arkansas, Fayetteville. Like, Fayetteville is on, like, the western side of Arkansas, super close well at least at least when you look at a map i'm sure i don't know like hours wise how much the distance is but it's not that far from oklahoma so they make sense in the sec conference that's the only one that like with the change still completely makes sense it only makes the (laughs) sec stronger which is wild because the sec has already been so dominant and then to take the most dominant team in the last nine years yeah say however long and adding them now to the sec is just going to make things even more competitive and i didn't think it could get more competitive but it does which i think is going to be exciting i know the fans of you know florida and lsu probably aren't super thrilled about having a team like oklahoma come into the conference but i think it's good for the sport it is just to have because i mean oklahoma is we'll talk big 12 here in just a second but oklahoma is you know kind of been off on their own dominating the big 12 for so long and it'd be fun to consistently during regular season and also for conference championships see them go head to head with a team like florida that and then also to see how dominant they can be in the sec conference as far as like the conference title goes like they have so many big 12 titles what is that going to be like when they're in the sec are they going to be a a given every single year that they win it is it going to be more challenging it's absolutely going to be more challenging (laughs) which is again good for the sport (laughs) 
So Oklahoma, of course, comes from the Big 12, which as for this upcoming college gymnastics season is going to be still West Virginia, Denver, Iowa State, BYU. So BYU, as of July 1st, 2023, is a member of the Big 12 Conference, which means that they will be competing in the Big 12 Conference this season. And then Oklahoma, this is going to be their final season in the Big 12. So we'll have West Virginia, Denver, Iowa State, BYU, and Oklahoma just this upcoming season. Then Oklahoma goes out, they go to the SEC, and then Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State join for the 2025 season. So I want to talk about the potential impacts of all of this on the non-revenue generating sports, which is a sport like gymnastics. So Obviously, I think the biggest concern is going to be cost of travel. I think that's going to be a huge expense. Majority of these teams, honestly, if not all of these teams, with the exception of Oklahoma, like we mentioned, with them being so close in proximity to a lot of the SEC schools, they're going to be traveling every other week, long distances, like across the country. We're talking at least a five-hour flight, mm-hmm. you know, four-hour flight. Yeah, depending on where they're coming from and like other whether, side whether they can of, do a direct flight or not. Like, right. Like you're talking other side of the country. Yeah, pretty much. So that's going to be not only a lot of time wasted for the athletes having to travel that much every other weekend, but also the expense of it. I think ultimately that could lead to programs shutting down in the future, especially those that have athletic departments that are already in debt. A school like Cal, I was reading an article that talked about how Cal is more than $439 million in debt. As of 2022, and that's because of money that they dumped into their football stadium. So that particular athletic department is in crisis. <laughs> they owe a lot of money. And so I think having yeah. to fork out, not just for gymnastics, but you got to think about all these other sports that don't really generate income for the school, how much money they're going to be putting into sending teams between all of the sports. It's going to be every week, multiple teams. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that obviously gymnastics, they're not traveling every week. But when you look at all of the other teams that they have at their school, every week, there's going to be more than one team that's going out somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's plane tickets. That's transportation on buses. Tons of expenses that they have to consider. Plus the things that they already had anyways, like, you know, food and uniforms. Hotels. Apparel. Yeah, they, they were paying for those things anyways, regardless of where they went. But it's just another massive, massive expense. And stress for the athletes. So that's the other thing. So uh, the money end of things, I think that that could eventually lead to some programs losing their gymnastics program. Oh my gosh. Don't say that. Cal is the one that I'm most worried about, truthfully. It also could impact recruiting. Because I think the uncertainty of, for a team like Oregon State, not knowing where they're going to end up, for a school like Cal, will they even have a program in the next five years? Yeah. Um, even just, like, not wanting to do it. like Not wanting to travel Personally, I'm not a huge fan of travel. So if I was an athlete on, you know, or if I was considering a school like Cal or even UCLA, like... I wouldn't want to have to deal with that travel. I'd want to go to a school where I could travel by bus to my meets or, you know, occasionally. Which is pretty much going to leave athletes with the Big Ten minus Washington and UCLA. Those athletes are still going to have to travel quite a bit. But like Big Ten, it's going to be consistent for the most part with what it has been. You just occasionally every other season are going to get to go to Washington or California. Which is normal. I mean, we see that happen in a season. I can't remember what year it was, but in the past, I remember Michigan went to UCLA. CLA for a regular season meet so it, it and they happens. go for regionals and you know they're once a season is not 
super egregious, but it's for the athletes that are at Washington, that are at UCLA, that are at Cal, that are at Oregon State. Mm -hmm. Those are the teams that are going to have to travel quite a big distance frequently. And some of the athletes, quite frankly, might not want to deal with it. Like, I think that is something that we have to consider in terms of recruiting right now, especially for a team like Cal and Oregon State with how much uncertainty there is, I think, with their futures. And I wonder how much, like, history and, you know, legacy and all that, like, I wonder how much that actually plays into it for athletes who are in the recruiting process as well. Like, I love the UCLA-Utah rivalry. And yeah, of course, they like we already said, they can still have that meet in the regular season, but it's just going to feel different. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be like, I go to UCLA, we won, we beat Utah for the Pac-12 title or even like Pac-12 regular season title. Like those things aren't going to exist anymore. Yeah. And I don't know for an athlete who's considering any of those Pac-12 schools, if it loses their appeal when that goes away and granted there'll be other rivalries that form mm-hmm. in these new conferences but it's probably but... gonna take a while and it's also gonna take a while for like the fans to get like into the rivalries as well yeah. you know like it's just not gonna be the same and i don't know that might not be a factor that is super like big for an athlete but that's something that i would think about you know just mm-hmm. wanting to be a part of something that's been around for so long and the historical element to it. So I I think that's something that could possibly play in as well. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, all of the uncertainty could and and likely will impact recruiting, which is going to directly impact team results, which again, could lead to some universities deciding to do away with the team financially results wise, if they're not getting good recruits. Like, I think there's just a lot of trickle down from this that like, we can even the higher ups don't give a shit about like they're right. not thinking about any of this. We could even just see a shift with, you know, what programs are considered top programs like a team. And I'm not, I'm not saying this as if it's going to happen. I'm just speaking like theoretically. But like Cal has been the last couple of years, they've been climbing. They've been, you know, consistently a top 10 school or higher. Honestly, they've been, in, you know, the top seven pretty consistently the last couple of years. And yeah. But the athletic department is already in so much debt and they don't put money into the sport anyways. Like mm-hmm. their gym is one of the gyms that comes to mind when I think about like teams that need Update. their gym renovated, updated. Need a little facelift. Yeah. Like there's several schools that come to mind for that. But when you read about how much debt Cal has because of how much they're investing in their football program, when it's a team like their gymnastics team that actually nationally is pretty competitive and the football team really isn't but just non-revenue yes they're not making money off of you know people going to gymnastics me people investing it's just another gymnastics team it's just another avenue for debt for the university right and that's like a really really valid concern that everybody has to be thinking about the coaches have to be thinking about that the athletes currently on the team I don't necessarily know like the people who are juniors and seniors. It probably won't impact them that much, but I'm thinking more like down the line. Like I said, in the next five years, is Cal going to have a gymnastics program? Mm -hmm. That's something that a recruit that's going through the recruiting process right now would potentially be thinking about. It's a top academic school and nationally in gymnastics, they're actually really competitive, more competitive than I think the athletic department is really even giving them credit for or recognizing. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting, I think, to ha- see how this impacts recruiting and what ultimately comes of this. I could see more athletes wanting to look at ACC schools. I know in the past, because it hasn't really 
been a thing in gymnastics. Like we haven't had an ACC gymnastics conference that probably somewhat affects recruiting, but I'm really curious if like even schools like say Clemson, who's just starting a program, especially over time, if they will start to become a top 10 program, you know what I mean? Yeah. And even start to pull more recruits. I mean, right now they're, they're not necessarily getting like the top, top recruits, but I think maybe even after this first season, once that new facility, I almost said when the new facility drops, like it's like a mixtape. <laughs> once they new- drop that new facility, <laughs> it's game over. <laughs> but no, for real, like once they make, once the once facility. They, once they hard launch the facility. <laughs> yeah. We've seen the pictures, like the graphic pictures. Yeah, what is the word for that? I can't think of what it is right now. My brain's like half here, half not. You know what I'm talking about. My brain is half distracted by these spiders. <laughs> yeah, for real. But, like, it looks like it's going to be a really nice facility. Clemson is a, a great school. Like, it's And their athletic department school. also spends lots of money on... Football. Well, football, but also, like, this gymnastics facility. Like, they are mm-hmm. willing to invest money in their sports teams outside of football, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, which I could, could see, be a draw. That yeah. really could be. I think a lot of athletes, this is something that we as fans don't always think about, but... Talking to some athletes, they really do value how the athletic department treats the athletes. Yeah. Um, that is something that some athletes that we've talked to have talked to us about. Like, that's something that, like, you wouldn't think that, like, you'd really care about that much. But some people really do pay attention to how they're treated by the higher ups at, you know, in the athletic department. And I'm wondering, too, like, for some reason, the ACC is, like, really standing out to me in regards to this. But... I even wonder how programs that aren't necessarily what you would consider to be like top gymnastics programs, but still good schools, say like Pitt, for example, or maybe even like NC State or North Carolina, honestly, like these are these are good schools. North Carolina academically is a great school. Yeah. So if, you know, that conference becomes more competitive and more appealing to recruits and they start getting more top recruits. They all start doing better. The school might invest more money in facilities and things like that. And like these schools could maybe possibly become the new top totally. 10 schools. And that's what's interesting about this is I think some particular schools are really going to suffer because of this conference shift. But I think that some other schools, like you just mentioned, I think are actually going to benefit from it. Something that's coming to mind right now for me, like the Big Ten, for example, or the SEC, I think because... For the most part, the conference stayed intact. Like, no schools left. We only gained. You you only gained, and it was only in the SEC, Oklahoma, and Big Ten, UCLA, Washington. Well, you and s- Big 12 with Utah. And- yes, but I think where my mind is going. And BYU. <laughs> you were thinking, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, like, interrupted you. <laughs> what I, where I was going with this is... UCLA joining the Big Ten, and no offense to Washington, like Washington is a great school, um, especially academic wise, like they, they can contend with a school like Michigan as far as something like academics has to offer, but so does UCLA and UCLA is also more nationally competitive. That's going to benefit recruiting even for Big Ten schools, if you really think about it. Yeah. Because... The way that it's been in the Big Ten, these schools have absolutely been stepping it up. Michigan State, Iowa, Minnesota in recent years. Like, they haven't quite been able to consistently beat a team like Michigan. You you see some one-offs like Michigan State last year and the year prior, I think, Minnesota. There's been there's been mm-hmm. times in the last, like, five years where these schools These have, teams pull off upsets. They do. They absolutely do, which is exciting because that's good for the growth of the Big Ten. 
But I think having a school that's more nationally competitive consistently, like UCLA, to challenge a school like Michigan will also ultimately impact recruiting for all of the Big Ten schools because it's going to be a more competitive conference. That's why people go to the SEC, even if you're at a school like, say, Georgia. Obviously, they have history and, you know, this legacy of at one point in time being the most dominant team. At one point in time, they were Oklahoma. Literally. But right now and in recent years, Georgia hasn't been the best gymnastic school. So you're not often going to Georgia because you want to win a national title. Like, you could do it. Like, they could come back. But you also know somewhere in your head that that's... If you want to win a national title, you should be going to Oklahoma. You should be going to Florida. You should be going to... LSU. Those types of schools. (laughs) But I do think people desire the SEC because of how competitive the conference is and the culture of the conference. It's very, very competitive. The most competitive conference. It is that way for a reason. Right. And so I think that helps even recruiting for some of those. I don't want to use smaller because Georgia is not a small school. What am I trying to say? Schools that aren't as nationally competitive is what I'm trying to say. With gymnastics. With gymnastics. Because obviously Georgia football is goats (laughs) but what i'm trying to say is that i believe the competitiveness of the conference does impact recruiting positively for everybody else in the conference the more competitive the sec is the more competitive the big 10 is the more competitive the acc is the more fun it is for fans and the more gymnasts want to go there exactly so that's a positive of this conference realignment but there's also negative sides to that too and financially that's going to be one recruiting wise that's going to be one so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out in the coming years and this is not something that i think right away you're going to see the impacts of like next year it's going to be normal you know like Kell's not going to lose their program next year or probably even the following year like or oregon state these things are going to take a while to play out and the impacts of it at least so Stay tuned. Well, we have one more season of normalness. So this upcoming college season, aside from BYU going to the Big 12, everything else, unless I'm forgetting something, everything else for the most part should be quote unquote normal. So after that is when things get interesting. (laughs) But we will continue to give updates on this when they become available and when they happen. But that's the latest as far as the conference shuffle. So let us know your guys' thoughts. If you have any theories or like what you want to see happen with Oregon State and the Pac-12, let us know. Our question for this week is, if you could make a fantasy gymnastics team for Worlds with gymnasts from any country, who would you put on your team? So I had this typed out and then somehow, some way, I deleted it. So I don't remember who I had on my original team, but I came up with a new one. (laughs) And I know there's somebody that I'm missing. Like there was someone that I had on my original team that I now have no idea who it was. But I think I like what I came up with. So how, all right, everyone plays bets. How similar do you think our teams are going to be? Mm. I'm willing to bet you like a 99% chance that we're going to have the same team. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I think that. Go we'll on. see. But mine's mostly feelings. As many feelings as I could fit on a team that could still win a gold medal. Okay. Is the vibe of this team. I mean, that's the vibe of my team, too. We're going for feelings and gold at the same time. <laughs> so I have Simone Miles, Sky Blakely. Oh. Sky Blakely or SUNY. I was going back and forth. You really want SUNY to be on the world's team. We and Ashley did an interview a couple weeks ago, like 
the week of championships. And Ashley, in that interview, granted it was before championships, it was before podium training, technically. She said that she wanted, no, not, not that she wanted Suni to be on the world team, because I think we all do. She said that she had Suni as a lock on her world team. And I was so embarrassed that you said that, because I'm like, that is I, a lie. That is Delulu. I mean, maybe not like lock, but. To say that Suni's a lock on the world's team is Delulu. It I don't. Th- I don't think it is. Yeah, think, it is. I think we're not seeing you guys the best of ro- roast her. Roast her. It's her. <laughs> her at on Twitter is at Ashley Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop. It's not that. I'm not saying she's a lock. And maybe I did say that at one point. You in time, did. You but had, I was. It's del- documented. But I was Delulu because I had a long day of traveling and podium training, and I probably wasn't in my right frame of mind. That is fair. <laughs> but I definitely think she's like whatever the next in line to be in a lock is. That's Suni. It's going to depend on her health. I'm not saying that if Suni is not at her best, she's going to make the team. But she's doing bars. She hasn't competed at but both podium trainings at championships and classics. She's doing bars. But she's doing a full routine. Yes. I mean, it's not her full difficulty. It's not what she's fully capable of. I don't know the D score. I didn't pull out my pad of paper and calculate the D score at podium training. You guys, can you tell by her tone she's really salty? She's getting (laughs) mad at me for challenging me. I'm not mad at you. But I'm just saying, like, she's doing bars, and you know that. And she's also doing beam. And I don't think she needs Walter Floor. I think for bars I don't think so either. I think that she needs bars, and she needs beam. And she has bars. And she needs to be healthy enough to get herself through the world championships. I agree. I think it would be better for her to like chill out and like rest. And maybe, and that would be fine. But I'm saying if she's healthy and she wants to go for world, I think that by the time what we have like two and a half weeks or something, she's already doing a bar routine. And I don't know if she has upgrades planned or like what she's going to do. If she's going to add anything to beam from what we've seen in competition so far but no i mean her beam is great as it is i mean she had a fall at uh championships and still got third on beam which is like impressive i think with bars and beam alone as long as she's healthy i think she's on the team and i would maybe say that she's in those conditions a lot but i feel like i'm getting like attacked everywhere i go (laughs) yeah i don't know how i feel about that i want to be clear i want suni on the team and I do think that if she has her bars and she's consistently hitting bars and beam and her health is good, then I do have her on my world's team. Well, if it makes you feel better. I had a world's team with Suni and a world's team without Suni yes. to be prepared for both case, depending on what happens. And actually, in the end, when I wrote out my team final lineups, I actually went with Sky Blakely at this moment. But I think they're interchangeable. Like, you could flip... You could take out Sky on bars and beam and put Suni in on bars and beam. So I either or is my answer, but I'm going to go with Sky for right now. So Simone, Sky, Jocelyn Robertson, Melanie DeJesus Dos Santos, and Rebecca Andrade. Okay, so we're actually not the same. Do you want to say what your lineups are, though? Oh, sure. Vault is pretty solid. Jocelyn, Rebecca, Simone. Bars, I have Rebecca, Melanie, Sky. Not necessarily in that order. I'm just putting down who I would have go up. Beam, I have Rebecca, Sky, Simone, and then Floor, Jocelyn, Rebecca, Simone. That's pretty good. Yeah. I think and you could have Melanie. Melanie, obviously, is an all-arounder, so she could go in in any of those events, too. Your team is good. I do think mine's better. Oh. I have Simone, Shailise, Rebecca, Andrade. It was Shailise. That's that's who I had on my team that How I did forgot. you forget Shailise? I don't know. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I think she was, I had... like, the first person that came to mind for me outside of Simone. I knew it was somebody. I knew it. So would you take out Sky and put... No, I would probably... 
I don't want to just have a whole, an all-American team, though, with the exception of Rebecca. You know what I mean? So I, I think... I mean, they, it's technically it's your fantasy team. They asked you what your fantasy team is. Well, so it's I not, think to have... It's a, not your fantasy team that's trying to appease other people. Well, if you want it to be competitive, I would maybe, say, take out Melanie, and then you'd have Shailise, because she would bring more options on... Well, obviously, Barr, she's great, but, you know, if Jocelyn was struggling with her Tron, then you can have Rebecca... I'm sorry, you can have Shailise do a, your Trinko double, or you can have her going on floor instead of Jocelyn. Yeah, and it's still super competitive. Yeah, so that... I keep hitting my head, or my headset, on the pop filter. It's because you're, like, craning your neck around to look at I'm me. I'm, like, looking at you. So that's what I have. What do you have? I have Simone, Shailise, Rebecca Andraji, Flavia, and Melanie. There's silence. (laughs) (laughs) And just slow head nods. Okay, so my vault lineup is Shailise, Rebecca Andraji, Simone. Okay. Pretty solid. Uneven bars, I have Melanie Andraji, Shailise. I'm alternating between people's first names and last names. I apologize for that. (laughs) This is just how I have it written down. Beam, I have Andraji, Flavia, and Simone. And then floor, I have I have either a combo, like you could either do Shailise or Melanie, one of them in the leadoff, Andraji, Simone. And you could have Flavia if she's healthy, too. You could. You, you have options with this team. Yeah, that's a pretty good team. I like that. And it's all of my faves, because I love Flavia, I love Melanie, obviously Shailise, Simone, Rebecca Andraji, like those are like my girls. <laughs> I love it. Well, you guys can play along as well. So we'll leave this question. Well, if you're on Spotify, if you're not on Spotify, unfortunately, I don't think you can participate. You're lost. Get on Spotify. (laughs) But on Spotify, if you like scroll down a little bit, you'll see a box where we can put a question for you guys. You can put your answer in. And if you want to answer the question, if you could make a fantasy gymnastics team for worlds with gymnasts from any country, who would you put on your team? You can leave those in that box and we will publish some of your answers. That does it for this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, we like to end by thanking our goal level Patreon supporters. So a big thank you to Jenna A, ML, Katie C, MSU, Kimberly G, Randy B, Emily B, Kathleen R, Lucy S, Becca S, Blake B, Cookie Master, Faith, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, Erica S, M, Derek H, Abby M, Martin, Paul M, Krista, Jasmine C, and Libby. Thank you all for continuing to support our show each month at the highest tier level. We appreciate you guys so, so much. And make sure you are checking your Patreon app if you're a Gold Level Patreon supporter because lately we've been doing a lot of early releases. We're still doing our future guest announcements and the opportunity for you guys to ask questions. We also have some exciting projects in the works. There's been a big project that Ashley and I have been working on that should come in handy with College Gymnastics. Yeah. And for those who play fantasy gymnastics. Yeah, so I was going to say my hint was going to be leading up to college gymnastics season. This is something that we've been working on with the hope of launching this for you guys, our Gold Level Patreon supporters, sometime next month. So like mid-October is when we're aiming for. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, if you are not a Gold Level Patreon supporter and you want to support the show and reap some of the benefits of being a Gold Level Patreon, we always have a link to our Patreon page in the show notes down below. Next week, we are hoping to release our interview with Cal gymnast Maya Lazan, which everyone is super excited about. We posted this one on Twitter and everyone is just like 
so excited for this interview, which I love. So we're hoping for that. And then we also are going to have a world championship preview predictions coming up as well. And then I'm going off to the world championships. And then after that, we come back and it's basically getting ready for college gymnastics season. So yeah, the next couple of months we plan on doing once Worlds is done, um, we're going to try and get some head coaches on. So if you guys have submissions, I guess, or um, head coaches that you want us to talk to, go ahead and send us an email or a DM. Let us know who you want to hear from so we can start to plan those out. And then we're going to be doing previews of all of the top teams. Athletes as well. Yeah. Any requests that you have regarding like college gymnastics feel free to send us a message because that's what we're going to start doing like kicking that into high gear after the world championships and also we forgot to do this after we did the question of the week don't forget to send in questions if you have them in the show notes below every single episode we have a link where you can fill out a form and ask a question and it's anonymous and you can pretty much ask anything related to gymnastics it could be about us i mean really just anything you want to know or want us to talk about you can do that there we hope you guys have an amazing week and we will talk to you real soon. Bye. Bye.